0: This morning in the message, I want to talk with you about trials, suffering, and pain in our lives. And when it comes to these things, as a pastor throughout my years of ministry, I've come across two beliefs that many people hold, many American Christians hold. And the first belief is this that if we follow Jesus, And if we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we will live a blessed life that's free from pain, suffering, and hardship. And and the second belief is tied to it. And the second belief is that if we're experiencing pain, difficulty, and hardship, then we must not be following Jesus very well. We must not be loving God with all that we have and all that we are. And God's probably angry with us, and he's probably punishing us. And now, you might not articulate these things in this exact way, but these are things that have come up again and again in conversations that I've had with students, with adults, with people in difficult marriages, and facing all sorts of crises in life. And and, and really, for most of my life, I believed these two things as well. And I probably wouldn't have worded them exactly like that, but I mean, growing up, I used to hear, you know what? Hey, if you're a Christian, you're going to live a blessed life. And maybe it was the televangelist on TV would talk about health, wealth, and prosperity. And I was the kid, you might can imagine, who was like watching all the TV preachers and stopping on them late night. And now look, I've become one here. It's kind of crazy. But you know, maybe I, I picked up these things growing up watching TV preachers. Maybe it was in Christian books or just in In conversations but somewhere along the way I began to believe these things until one day I stopped one day I stopped believing these things you see uh, I had a very easy childhood I, I didn't face many great struggles many great trials or a ton of pain I mean I had the challenges like many adolescents but I had great and loving parents they've logged on they're watching right now I went to a great church. I had great mentors. went went to a, a good school. When I was in ninth grade, my grandmother died of old age. I got into the college I wanted to go to, and, and really, most of my life, I thought, "Well, you know what? I'm following Jesus. Things are going pretty well. This is good. It seems to be working out." Until one day, I was in my car driving when I was in college, and I got a phone call. And uh, the person on the other line was somebody who went to my church, one of my mentors and friends, and they said, hey, are, are you sitting down? I don't know if you've ever gotten that, that phone call. They said, are you sitting down? I said, no, actually, well, I mean, yeah, kind of, I'm driving. And he said, well, I think you should, I think you should pull over. And I was like, okay. And so I pulled over, and he began to tell me uh, about my my friend, one of my best friends, my youth pastor, my mentor, somebody I had spent many years of life with learning about Jesus from, he began to tell me that that my youth pastor had been arrested for some inappropriate things. And this was really the, 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 one of the biggest moments in my life at that stage of my life where, where my world was just kind of, kind of rocked. My faith was rocked and I began asking all the questions that most of us ask when we're going through something difficult. I began to say, God, why, why is this happening? God, why is this happening to our church? Why is this happening to me? Why is this pain coming into my life? Is it because I am i didn't do something right? Is there something I could have done to stop it? Is there something going on here? I mean, what, what could we have done differently? I mean, I'm trying to ask all these questions, wrestle with all these things. I mean, what does it mean for my faith when a faith leader fails in a, in a public way? And I'm looking at his mugshot on the front page of the newspaper. I'm processing all of this. And in the midst of, of processing all of this, I began to go to to older Christians that I knew, and talked to them about how I was struggling, how I hadn't experienced much pain, but now I am. And one by one, they each began to tell me stories about pain in their own lives. They began to tell me about their wounds, about ways they had suffered. And they began to help me understand that just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean we're going to have a life that's full of health, wealth, and prosperity and actually they began to open up the Bible and and point out passages like in the book of Acts where people are giving their entire lives to God and still they face difficulties and hardships And so it was in that that season of my life that that I learned that bad stuff happens to good people bad stuff happens to bad people. Bad stuff happens to rich people. Bad stuff happens to poor people. Bad stuff happens to educated people. Bad stuff happens to uneducated people. Bad stuff happens to all people. And if not much bad stuff has happened in your life, the truth is that one day you will face great trials and pain and hardship. And my guess is that you probably learned this lesson long before I did. Because some of you, I know you grew up in very troubled households. At a young age, your parents got divorced, and that was very difficult for you. Others of you, during this season, right, things economically are going good. You have a job. You have a house. You got your mortgage. Things seem like they're on the up and the up, and then in an instant, everything changes. Some of you have been in that relationship, and and the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the spouse just says, Hey, it's over. Or kids, maybe you've had a group of friends, you thought they were your friends, and then they just turned their back on you and that was it. Or maybe you've received that phone call. The phone call where the doctor or a family member says, hey, are, are you sitting down? Because you need to. The question for us as Christians isn't whether we will face trials and suffering and pain in our lives. The question for us as Christians is how will we respond to the pain, the suffering, and the trials in our lives because we are not immune from them. And in the book of Acts, the book we've been in this season, I mean, we find people facing a lot of hardship. We find people facing a lot of difficulties. And the passage that we're gonna look at this morning, actually, we find a very vivid picture of Paul and Silas facing some very difficult situations. And we also see how they respond in the midst of these situations. And I think how they respond, and as we see other people responding to different trials in their lives, I think it can help us learn how God wants you and I to respond to all of these things that have come into our lives and that will come into our lives. And so this morning, uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 16 beginning in verse 16. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to open up. And uh, my wife, Emily, she's always taking care of Patrick on Sunday mornings uh, while I'm filming, but I got her on film this week, reading our scripture passage for us. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 16.
1: One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God, who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days, but Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, these men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God.
0: So in this passage, we see a number of trials and a number of different responses to these trials. And the first trial we see really comes when Paul and Silas are just going about ministry. They're doing the work of the Lord. And then they find this, this slave girl who has a spirit who can kind of predict the future, a spirit of of prophecy, and who's going around shouting true things about them. Look, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they're telling people the way to be saved. I mean, that's what they were doing. So she wasn't telling lies, but, but Paul knew that the spirit was an opposing spirit. It was opposing what they were doing in the midst. And uh, it's kind of funny. It says he was annoyed. And so he cast the spirit out of her. And when the spirit comes out of this slave girl, immediately we see the first trial. And the first trial was, was a trial for the slave girl's owners. Because you have to think in that moment, their hope of making money was gone. I mean this woman had provided food for their family, had provided a future for their families, and in a moment, their source of income, the main revenue in their business stream, was gone and now, some of you you can relate to this in this season, right? in just a second, money is gone, and so it affects their future they're they're beginning to think, you know what what are my kids' colleges gonna look like what what what's our future gonna to look like? All of these questions are raging, and the slave owners minds and they respond, how they respond with fear, with fear about the future and what this means for them. And this fear leads them to some rash actions. We find uh, that they, they, they get Paul and Silas, they drag them into the square before the magistrates, they make up accusations against them and all of this stuff. And something interesting uh, that Luke points out to us in this passage is that as they're responding with fear, as they're dragging them in front of the the magistrates, the crowd notices. The crowd notices their response. And this isn't too surprising because fear is contagious. Fear is contagious. So these people, they respond with fear. People join in. And really, this is kind of how most of us respond to trials in our lives. I mean how how they respond is how we often respond with fear right I mean I don't know if you've been experiencing fear in this season I certainly have at times And fear is often associated with with a lack of control not knowing the future or what's going to happen, or we have a, a dream for our lives or for our relationships, for our families. And when a trial happens, that dream is shattered. And so when we, when we have this sense of losing control, one of the things we want to do is we want to exert control. And so a lot of times when we're facing trials and difficulties, we, we work harder. And so we try to get control of the situation. And sometimes spiritually, we try to control the situations as well. And so we pray prayers. We say like, God, get me out of this situation. God, get me out of this relationship. God, get me out of this financial trouble. God, get me out of all of this mess. God, get me out of this world. Sometimes we even pray in our darkest moments. Because fear leads us to respond in this way. And so fear is one common response to trials, to suffering, and to pain in our lives. But in this story, we see that it's not the only response. We also see people responding in different ways. I mean, take take Paul and Silas in this story. I mean, think about them. They're, they're going out and about. They're doing the work of the Lord. They're following the Holy Spirit. They're loving God with all their hearts, all their mind, all their soul, all their strength, They cast out this demon. They're going to a place to pray. And then boom, they're facing more hardship than most of us have ever faced in our lives. They're thrown in front of the magistrates. They have these made up charges. They are arrested. They're flogged. They are beaten. They are bloodied. And then they're locked up in the innermost cell in a prison. That's a pretty rough lot that they experience. And in the prison cell, it's very interesting to notice how they responded. I don't know if you called it in verse 25 earlier, but it was very different than the way the slave owners responded. We read this in verse 25, that when they were locked up in the cell about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And now, look, I don't, I don't think these these, these songs were songs of woe, or songs of despair, or woe is us, and. The, this is terrible. I don't think they were praying, God, why did this happen? God, get get me out of this situation. God, get me out of this cell. I don't think they were praying prayers like that. No, instead, I think they were singing songs of praise. I think they were singing songs of worship. I think they were saying to God, God, don't, don't, don't get me out of here. God, get into the cell. God, get into our lives. God, get into the jailers. God, get into these other prisoners. God, Get into this situation because we want more of you, and we know that you are with us right now. And my friend Andrew Ruth, uh, he preached on this passage many years ago. And I saved his notes from the sermon because I loved what he said. He said, Look, what were these men thinking about as they were singing? They must have been thinking about Jesus, because no one sings like that without a Savior. No one sings in the midst of suffering without a Savior. And as they're thinking about their Savior, who was whipped, who was beaten, who had nothing, who was killed, for them, they are sitting there thinking, my God loves me so much. My God loves me so much. My Jesus loves me so much that he did all of this. I had heard about it, but now I know. How much does Jesus have to love me to suffer like this? You see, in those moments, they realized that Jesus loved them more than they ever knew before. As they were being whipped and beaten, as they were unjustly imprisoned, they began to see how much Jesus loved them. And as they're praying, as they're singing, as they're reflecting on all of these things, we find that they respond with faith instead of fear. And they're able to respond with faith instead of fear because of the freedom they had in Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas they they respond with faith. Martin Luther defines faith as a bold living trust in Jesus. They respond with faith because of the freedom they have, the freedom of sin. Look, they knew that Jesus had, had freed them from the need to worry. They knew that Jesus had freed them from from bitterness and anger towards God. They knew that that Jesus had freed them from wanting revenge on these people who had unjustly accused them. They knew that Jesus had freed them from the power of sin, but not only had he freed them from the power of sin, he had also freed them from the power of death. And so they knew that, that even if they died in that cell, even if they died the next day, they knew that even if that was the worst thing that came their way, that soon they would be with Jesus once again. They knew that just as Jesus, after his death, rose in victory, that they too, after their deaths, whenever they would come, they too would rise in victory because they shared in Jesus's resurrection. They were able to have faith instead of fear in the midst of their trials because they knew Jesus Christ. They knew Jesus' death, but they, more importantly, knew Jesus' resurrection. They knew that Jesus had conquered the grave. They knew that whenever something looks like the worst thing, they knew that God could transform a seemingly terrible situation into something glorious. This is Paul who would later write Romans 8.28, that in all things, God is working for the good of those who, who loved them, they knew that their pain wasn't the end. And so they were able to respond with faith instead of fear. And when we know Jesus Christ, when we trust him, when we have that living, bold trust in us, we can respond with faith instead of fear as well. And now this doesn't mean that we go around testing God. Right? Faith isn't a means by which we just go around and test God and act crazy and say, oh, you know what? He's going to take care of us. Faith isn't about testing God. Faith is about trusting God in the midst of the test. Faith is about trusting God in the midst of our trials. Faith is trusting God in the midst of our suffering and knowing that this is not the end. It's knowing that he is with us and that he is for us and something interesting happens i don't know if you caught this in verse 25 when emily was reading it says that they were praying about midnight they were praying and they were singing hymns to god and then i love this part that's added on it's kind of subtle it's just tucked in there at the end of verse 25 luke adds in and he says look and the other prisoners did you catch it we're listening to them the other prisoners we're listening to them. These men who are locked up like them, these men who are in chains, these men who are suffering and facing great trials in their lives, they were listening to Paul and Silas because guess what? As we talked about earlier, fear is contagious. We, we see that every day in our culture, but guess what? Faith is also contagious. They see Paul and Silas's faith and they think these men are responding in, in a way that's blowing our minds. These men are responding in a way that's completely different. And we see how important this is when we come to the third trial in this passage. And that's the trial that the jailer experiences. I don't know if you've ever thought about him here in this story. I mean, I mean, think about him. He's going to work. His job is to secure people for the state. And so he gets these prisoners, Paul and Silas. He locks them up in chains. Locks him in the innermost cell, shuts the door, goes to sleep, and then boom, an earthquake. An earthquake happens, the doors of the jail are open, the shackles are released. I mean, this is the worst case scenario for him. And so, in in the midst of, of the prison being open, he's assuming all of the prisoners have run out. And so, how does he respond to this trial? He responds with fear. He responds with fear thinking, you know what, uh, I, I might be punished. I might be killed because these prisoners left on my watch. You know what, I, I failed on the job. I'm going to be a disgrace in this community. I let go of all these prisoners. And so as he's responding with fear, he, he grabs his knife and he's about to harm himself. When Paul says these words, he says, look, stop, 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 stop. stop. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. We're all here. Paul says, look, not not just me and Silas in the innermost cell. No, everybody else has actually stayed. Because these men, they knew that Paul and Silas, even when they were locked up, they had freedom. They had freedom that these other prisoners had never tasted even when they were on the outside. And so they all stayed. Now, if you were in worship last week, you might recall that I I talked about leading a a Bible study in prison for many years. And one day we were studying this passage, Acts chapter 16, with the men. And I said, you know what? I'd I'd love your perspective on this. I'd love to hear what, what you think about this story because after all, every night you're behind bars. I mean, you're locked up. And I wrote down what they said and I've saved it all these years later. I mean, one of the men, he said this. He said, look, They had the chance to leave and they didn't. That's crazy. Another man said, you know what? It reminds me of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, they were put in the midst uh, of a great trial and they had faith and other people saw their witness. But I'll never forget how this other man responded. He just bowed his head and he just kept shaking it. And he said, this is just, this is amazing. He said, this is amazing. And when you read the end of the story, I mean, you have to admit, it's a pretty amazing story. Because after after this guard puts down his knife, he comes trembling before Paul and Silas and he asks the question, perhaps the most important question any of us can ever ask. He goes to them and he says, look, he he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas tell them very simply, to be saved, all you need to do is believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And so he brings them to his household. His household hears this message of the gospel. They believe they're saved and they're baptized and they're all added to God's kingdom that day. I mean, that's amazing. It's amazing for me when I read this story to, to think about the level of faith they had in the midst of suffering. Because when I look at the little sufferings that I have, And the great amount of fear I have, I mean, I'm convicted and I'm like, I want that kind of faith. To me, that's amazing. But one thing that's perhaps more amazing than how Paul and Silas responded to the trials and the suffering in those moments is the amazing reality that the Jesus that they were worshiping the Jesus they were singing to, the Jesus they were praying to, the Jesus that gave them strength to endure in the midst of so much suffering, that same Jesus is the Jesus that we've gathered together to worship today. That same Jesus is the Jesus we're worshiping today. And guess what? That Jesus, Jesus Christ, our Lord, he knows suffering. He knows pain. He knows hardship. He knows death, but he also knows resurrection. And resurrection is a reminder that God can take even the seemingly worst situation that we've ever found ourselves in, found ourselves in, or will find ourselves in, he can take that and transform it into something that can be used for good. Resurrection is a reminder that the worst thing is never the last thing, that suffering, trials, and even death will not have the final say in our lives. So this morning, I don't know what you're going through. I know some people in this season are going through through very huge trials and facing a lot of pain others of you maybe maybe you feel like your your pain is just a little bit but but your pain your suffering and your trials they're real they're real and i i can't act like i know all of them here on camera but i do know this i know that god wants you and he wants me he wants our church he wants us as people of faith to respond with faith and not with fear in the midst of everything coming our way i know that God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live, to suffer, and to die for us. I know that Jesus is with us now. I know the Holy Spirit will guide us into the future. I know that God is with us and for us. And so this morning, what I want to ask you to do is, as kind of a final act is to, to hand over all of these things that you're experiencing, all of these burdens that you're carrying. I want to invite you to hand those over to him this morning, to surrender those things to him. I want to invite you to pray. I want to invite you to sing, just like Paul and Silas were. Because as we hand over these things to God, as we pray, as we sing, as we trust Jesus Christ with our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly, he will give us the strength to respond with faith instead of fear. And so let's pray and ask God to help us do that. Almighty God, we know that you are here among us. Even though we're separated and we're worshiping in this digital way, we know that you're with us and that you're for us. And we celebrate the gift of your son, Jesus, this morning. And God, in this season, uh, people are carrying a lot of burdens. People are facing a lot of trials. Uh, There's a lot of, of suffering. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of grieving. And God, right now, we want to hand over all of those things to you. And we want to say, look, we want to stop trying to control it all. We want to stop trying to fix it all and do it all ourselves. We need you to get into our lives in a deeper way. We need you to get into these situations. We need you, your transforming power. We need your grace. We need your resurrection power to make all things new. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would give us the ability, like Paul and Silas had, to respond with faith, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would remove the spirit of fear from us in these moments and in these days and in these weeks ahead. And we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. Well, as we sing our final song, I wanna invite you, like Paul and Silas, to sing it out. Sing it out, even in the midst of your suffering and your trials.